We're working our way through the Heidelberg Catechism. We're up to Lord's Day 3. We've got a a good year ahead of us. Uh, But uh, I want to start then with Lord's Day 3, the questions and answers, before we get to the Scripture passages that we'll be looking at. So Lord's Day chapter, or Lord's Day 3, it's question and answers 6, 7, and 8. And let's read those responsively. First, did God create people so wicked and perverse? No. God created them good and in his own image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that they might truly know God their creator, love him with all their heart, and live with God in eternal happiness to praise and glorify him. Then where does this corrupt human nature come from? The fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are all conceived and born in a sinful condition. The fall and disobedience, excuse me, but are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil? Yes, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. And then I'd invite you to turn with me to two passages. We're going to be looking at both Genesis 1, verses 24 through 31, and also from Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to read those kind of as we go this this evening. So if you just kind of keep a finger in place, and at least in Genesis 1, we'll start there in a few moments as we look at uh, the image of God and the question, what about my image? But let's, uh, before we begin with that reading, open with prayer. Father God, as we come before you this evening, we come reminding ourselves that as we prayed about and as we've sung about that, that you created us good and in your image, perfect in fact. And yet sin has gotten in the way and, and destroyed that image. And so we need to focus our attention, to refocus our attention on the image of Jesus Christ in which uh, you are constantly recreating us by your Spirit. So as we think about the image uh, that you have given to us and that we seek to be restored, we pray that your Spirit would speak to us about our role in that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Image is everything, say the advertising executives on Madison Avenue. Indeed, we we live in a world of the image conscious. Presidents and other politicians are often concerned more with their image than their plan for governing. Uh, A 30-second soundbite versus a 30-minute speech. They wrap themselves in the American flag, paint themselves as the common man or woman, and pander to whatever the local constituency is looking for. Image, of course, is, is really all about reputation. So even common folk are tempted to hide who we really are, at least those things we don't like or we think other people don't like about us, and try to project who we want to be, often based on what's valued in our society. Well, the Bible reminds us image-conscious people what our image is or should be. Beyond our reputation, our name, who we want others to think we are, the Bible tells us who we are at heart. 
Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism, in particular, reflecting biblical teaching, gives it to us straight. The Catechism first reminds us of our original image, and, and it uh, is focused on one of those foundational passages in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. So let's look at that and see what God himself says about our image. Genesis 1, verse 24, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant in the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be there, yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So the catechism reminds us of what we read here when it asks, did God create people so wicked and perverse? Was this God's fault, in other words? No, God created them good and in his own image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness. So they might truly know their God, their creator, love him with all their heart, and live with God in eternal happiness to praise and glorify him. Now in Genesis 1, we see that God created each animal according to its kind. He keeps repeating that phrase, according to its kind. But man and woman, he created according to his kind, God's kind. So what was God's kind? Well, he uses two parallel but slightly different words. Image and likeness, I'm going to take them in reverse order. The likeness deals with reflecting God. That word, translated likeness, demut in the Hebrew, actually suggests a mirror. The, the idea that we mirror God, that we mirror his qualities, we mirror his attributes. If you think about it, men and women are the only creatures that in our very makeup, disclose something about God. Notice that after all of creation, including the animals were made, God evaluated it as good, but it was only after the creation of man and woman that God judged his creation very good. Perfect, in fact. The other word deals with representing God, a parallel word translated image, selim. Literally, in the Hebrew, means to carve or to cut. 
And it's used to describe the carved images of themselves that kings would place around the kingdom to remind people who rules. Now, I remember when I was a child, I would see images from this exotic place called China. And it seemed like every picture, every video, everything that I ever saw of China had in the background either a picture or a statue of Chairman Mao. They were all over the place because he wanted to remind people who rules. Saw the same thing in the Soviet Union with Lenin and in Iraq with with Saddam Hussein. And it's interesting that in all of these cases, those very images were toppled when their regimes were toppled because those images so represented them that they could no longer stand when the dictators no longer stood. In a similar way, we represent God. Now, if, one, if the one word represents or speaks of who we look like, God in whose image we were created, the second one speaks of our role. We are intended to be God's images placed strategically throughout the world to remind people who rules. That's our role. That's important to remember when we see all of this stuff on TV and we hear all of this stuff in the media uh, about why this should be right and why that should be right and why this is, is, is okay and why that's okay. And there are just times we have to stand up and say, no, this is what God says and we represent God. We remind people who rules and whose rules we follow. We represent him. Rule on his behalf over creation. Stand for his authority, his word, his values, his absolute truth as ambassadors of the king. So what does it mean to you today to be in God's image? Like a child who reflects his parents is said to be the spitting image of them, we are made in the spitting image of God. We are as special to God as important to him we are special to God and important to him, particularly as we rule the earth. Verse 28 gives the very first commandment in the Bible. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The cultural mandate. That's our mandate. That's partially what it means to represent God to our world. Think about it. What image are you trying to project today? Is it any better than God's image in you? However, as we know, that image didn't remain perfect. If you move to Genesis 3, and we're not going to read the chapter, but you get the, the next part of the story, which is the fall of humanity. And the Catechism reminds us also that the image of God has been shattered and also where the fault for that lies in questions 7 and 8. Where where does this corrupt human nature come from? The fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are all conceived and born in a sinful condition. Now we live in a world where people are not satisfied with their image. Interestingly, neither were Adam and Eve. Even though they had the perfect image of God, 
they were not satisfied to reflect and represent God. They wanted to be the same as God or equal to God. And with Satan's help, their minds distorted what God's image meant, and their sinful actions as a result brought about a shattered image for us as well. Like a mirror shattered by a hammer, the clear image of God in them and as a result in us was severely distorted and became unrecognizable. They lost perfection, innocence, holiness, intimacy with God. The mirror image was broken, and along with it came broken relationships. First, broken relationships with God. Their sin and disobedience resulted in the curse. They were, they were driven out of the garden of God's presence and into a constant battle with Satan and sin, a battle that we continue to have today. It came with broken relationships with people. The original sin was really one of pride, wanting to be equal with God. And that pride began to show itself immediately with Adam and Eve in their relationship with each other. Blaming and shaming, the recognition of their nakedness, struggles in marriage and other future relationships. And there was also a broken relationship with creation. We, I pointed out just a moment ago the very first commandment in the Bible is the cultural mandate to fill the earth and to rule the earth on behalf of God. But the sin entering in the picture and the curse made that much harder. The curse resulted in hard labor, both in the field and in childbirth. It affected their ability to fill the earth. It affected their ability to rule over the earth. And not only did it become harder because of broken relationships in the world, which would be evidenced in uh, Cain and Abel and the sin causing the flood and the Tower of Babel incident, but they failed to come close to representing God properly to our world. They lost his likeness and ruined his rule. And we are part of that legacy, that baton that has been passed down with the broken image of God. However, while that image was shattered, pieces still remain. God reminds us in the Bible that he still values and protects his image in us. In fact, if you go a few chapters over after the flood in chapter 9, God actually instituted the death penalty for murder based on the fact of God's image in us. Whoever sheds human blood, by human's blood, by humans their blood shall be shed. For the image of God, in the image of God, God has made mankind. That's the reason behind the capital punishment. But ultimately, of course, he loved us to the point of sacrificing his own son to pay for our broken image. So what does it mean to live in the image, the shattered image of God within us? Part of it is that we lose a sense of who we really are. So we try to build new images in the wrong way. Often, seek, we seek to be mirror images of other fallen people rather than of God. This is 
why we find our image so dissatisfying. It's inconsistent with the image within. There is hope, however, a hope of a renewed image. Question 8 asks, but are we so corrupt that we are unable to do any good or inclined toward all evil? Yes, unless, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. So there is hope. But how does this happen? One reason God sent Jesus was to show us the perfect image of God to imitate. But we couldn't just imitate it. That isn't enough because we're fallen people. Because the, the image is so shattered within us that like Humpty Dumpty, we cannot be put back together again. So he also sent Jesus for a more crucial reason. Jesus Christ died to take the punishment for our sin, for that shattered image within us. And this paves the way for the renewal of God's image within us. And that Paul describes that in Colossians 3. So we're going to turn to Colossians 3 and look, through, look at the first 10 verses as we look now at the renewed image of God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in knowledge, in the image of its creator. So there's the goal of renewal, to be back into the image of our creator. When Paul speaks here about our old and new selves, he's in essence talking about the shattered image and the renewed image. The, the shattered image, the old self, and the renewed image, the new self. The old image is enslaved to sin. The new is ruled by the Spirit. Paul describes this with a familiar image of changing clothes. Dying and be raised with Christ is, as far as holy living is concerned, is like taking off filthy clothes and putting on clean ones. Taking off the old self, which is centered on personal interests, personal pleasures, personal rights. In other words, it is self-centered, and that often expresses itself then in bodily desires and emotions out of control. And put on the new self, which is recreated in the image of Christ and therefore is Christ-centered, not self-centered. And renewed in knowledge, that is, knowing right and wrong. And living with appropriate expressions of God's good gifts. It is spirit-filled rather than sin-filled or sinful. 
Now, in practice, this changing of clothes doesn't happen instantaneously like Clark Kent becoming Superman. It's a process, a process in which we cooperate with the Spirit, gradually changing our wardrobe, one piece at a time, one habit at a time, one sin at a time, until we start to look and act more and more like Jesus Christ. And, of course, through that all, we need the Spirit's empowerment. But until then, until we get to that perfect image of Jesus Christ, with the Spirit's empowerment, we strive to be more and more like Jesus, being renewed in the knowledge of God and His will, Paul says. Or as he says in Ephesians, becoming more like God in true righteousness and holiness. So as the Spirit renews us, we are growing more and more like God in holiness and righteousness, and thus are able to better not only reflect him in our world, but also represent him to our world. What does it mean to you that you are being renewed in the image of God? Our part in the process is to honestly try to mirror Christ personally, to reflect God in all we do, in our relationships with others, our relationships with his created world. Do you sense that renewing image within you? Do others see it? Does it make a difference in your life and lifestyle? A renewed image is a promise of a future perfected image. In other words, we're not there yet. As Donald McLeod put it, today we are genuinely new, though not yet totally new. But one day we will be totally new recreated in the perfect image of Jesus Christ and like with the original, in perfect fellowship with God, with other people, and with his created world. So today, what's your self-image? Do you have a low self-esteem? You have the image of God within you. Look at Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's making you more like him. Maybe that's not your problem of low self-esteem. Maybe it is pride. Are you too proud? Then look at Christ and realize you're not even close to being there yet. In an image-conscious world, with people all around us trying to create a new image for themselves, seek instead to be renewed in the image of God already within you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for creating us in your image, even for giving us that ability and that charge to reflect you to our world, to remind people who rule, and to represent you, especially representing you and filling the earth and ruling it. Help us to do that in a way that is glorifying in your sight. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would all, each one of us as a church as well as individuals, continue to be open to your work in our, our lives to renew that image of Jesus within us. Help us to be able to see that progress in ourselves and, and in each other, knowing that we can never get there fully in this lifetime. And yet it's a, a path that we, we follow to Seek to have, as we read earlier, the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. 
Help us to do that in this coming week. Help us to every so often just see glimpses of your image within us and give you thanks for that. Pray now that you go with us into this coming week and you help us be the kind of image bearers you want us to be. We pray it in the name of the one who is the great image to whom we aspire, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's respond with another song from the celebration hymnal, I Would Be Like Jesus, number 561 in the celebration hymnal. Once again, we'll sing uh, the four stanzas, and let's stand as we sing, I Would Be Like Jesus. Jesus.